1: crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to midwayusa.com.
2: This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today.
3: Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Pin Network. It's your host Armando Solan, and on this segment, we kick back with a special guest and talk about life kayak fishing and the pursuit of big bass. So get your cold brews on and enjoy the show. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bass, Kayak, and Beer segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, presented by Douglas Rods. Go to DouglasOutdoors.com to check the full lineup of LRS rods, X Matrix rods, and also great uh, fly fishing rods. Rods, I'm sorry, award-winning fly fishing rods, I should say. So, with me today is a gentleman that not only has the utmost respect in the kayak fishing community, for what he's done on the water but also what he's done out of the water. I'm super honored to bring you today Mr. Brad Case. Mr. Case how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Enjoy being here. <laughs> thank you. It's an honor like I said to have you on uh, last minute uh, cancellation and uh, thank you to Dan. Shout out to Dan Perry for um getting us in contact and having you on again. It's a uh, I'm a long admirer of what you've done in the kayak fishing community, and like we talked about, you you also have a decorated uh, military service and also work as a fire firefighter. Uh, so you've served served both the community and the country, and obviously we we all have gratitude to what you've done. Um, and we were just talking on the pre-recording about a few of the experience you had and the outtakes that that you have that has brought to you in life. So. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about how this year went for you as far as the kayak fishing tournament and what you got looking forward for next year. How's that? that Sound sounds good? Sounds How's great. It? Thank you. So Mr. Brad, let's start with you. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how you, you know, what you do other than kayak fishing and how you eventually got into kayak fishing.
4: Uh, well, I did 33 years military, Purple Heart on 04. Went several years before, figured out broken back and all other oh. injuries from that. And we, as military, worked great together. But once that we all started getting out, we started finding problems because our camaraderie was gone. We didn't mm-hmm. have anybody. So uh, I met Chad Hoover down at one of the Bassmasters in New Orleans. And my wife told me, she says, you know, y'all talk pretty good together. And she said, you need to get a kayak and get fishing like that. I used to use a little old 12-foot aluminum boat and fish that way by myself in the front. I said, well, yeah, you're right. A kayak won't be much different. And I started out with a cheaper kayak. Some people say, go ahead and start with the big one. Okay, well, I understand where people come from, not wanting to. So I started out with a uh, Pelican Castaway. Uh, 110, which was their pro model at the time period. But you better only set the hook from like 10 o'clock to one o'clock or two o'clock. If you tried anything else, you're probably going to flip your kayak. And so we this is learning experience, and eventually got me to start upgrading with a win here and a win there on some tournaments. And I went to the wilderness side, and then from there it just blossomed. And Once I started, I realized that helped me. I didn't have to worry about the camaraderie of my military friends much anymore, even though I helped a lot of fellow wounded veterans get them on the water throughout the years, and I still do, and fish with them. And whenever they get tired, we come in. It's just something I like doing. But my camaraderie is with all my kayakers, be it where they're a wounded veteran or just a stable guy that's just come off a workforce one afternoon, and he wants to go fishing. And just like the podcast here, all the fellow kayakers that are listening, just being with y'all, it makes a lot of difference. I don't care whether I'm winning or not. I just enjoy fishing. So, and that helps out a
3: lot. Definitely. And uh, we were just talking about that off air that, you know, we get so many of my guests have that military background. And they always say one of the things that gravitated into the sport is that calming effect that has helped them get back to to a civilian life, which is, again, not always easy, being that you've um, seen and maybe lived through some horrors that we in the civilian life haven't had to live through, mostly because of the work that you do. Um, you also worked, uh, I, as I understand it right, you also work as a fireman, or in the fire department?
4: In my afternoons, I did volunteer, or once volunteer, I got off the service during the day, it was volunteer on the fire departments. Two different fire departments, depending on where I lived, and it did pretty good. I had enjoyed helping out. Sometimes it was like I get off military, and all of a sudden receive a call and go make a fire uh, firefighter call. Sometimes en route home, and even sometimes I've left, depending on how the uh, day was going. If it, if the was a bad call, most of the time the unit would know. Okay. And you know, it kind of, sometimes like some of them frown on it. Some said, "Oh no, that's just that's just you're doing you're doing the same duty, but here in the states." It's Just kind of how we looked at it, and it just went from there. I just felt that that gave me the opportunity to help here in the
5: states what I was trying to do overseas. Yeah, so. it kind of gives you that that uh, that kind of like transition.
3: And all, and I mean, I'm assuming it's it's hard to kind of like switch that flip, uh, flip that switch. I should say, I'm sorry, on and off. You know, when you're going from a mentality of serving and protecting to now, all of a sudden, just you know, having a civilian life, wondering what what what's next. You know, after you serve so many years, you know, uh, protecting the community. So that probably was, I'm assuming, a good transition for you going being a voluntary fireman and, and helping out we've talked a little bit about how in in both in as as a, fire, as a volunteer fire fireman I'm sorry and uh, military service, there's the times where you achieve what you wanted to and sometimes you have to deal with what could be perceived maybe as a failure um, or not being able to accomplish maybe what you would have wanted and how you dealt with it. How do you, I know you said about, uh, a lot of interesting things about it, and I wanted to go back on it because I think it's a lot very important and, uh, about being yourself and being the best that you can. How did you, how did you approach that? How do you approach the times where you felt like, man, I'm, I wanted to do this, I, but I came up short or I, I, you know, I didn't get to complete this or, or felt like maybe there was something left on the table? uh Where we talked
4: about you know saving lives, there's a thing that we got to understand. We're unless you're a doctor, even a doctor can understand it. They did everything they could to save the life. They and up to that point, they cannot fault themselves for doing the best they could. On the kayaking side, it's the same. Yeah, I the best thing is like uh any sports, and I I, I instruct shooting sports with kids. And when one scores the best that they ever scored and still comes up short of the win, but you should tell them they did the best. They said, but I didn't win. And you show them their score and they're still like 10 points better than they ever did before. I said, that's all you got to achieve. Yes, yeah. you might have not won, but you placed better than what you did. And that's what we got to look at as ourselves. And it's like, I can say I fished the Bassmasters uh, two weekends ago. Or maybe it was last weekend. I'd, weekends go by so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was the 21st. So, yeah, there's it been a weekend between, right before Thanksgiving. And I didn't catch anything the day of the tournament. But I made a choice. I could have caught probably 60, 60 inches of smaller fish. But I figured at the time period, 60 inches were going to make it in the top 20 or top 30. Mm-hmm. Little did I know it would have been very good. So I went for bigger fish. Had several hits, but didn't make it. No, I didn't feel bad. I did what I wanted to do. I knew I've already qualified, so I was as those saying, I was swinging for the uh fence. Yeah. But uh I was like uh Casey uh at the bat. I think I hit every missed every uh, ball that came across the plate. But that's just how it goes sometimes, you know. One time you're going to hit that home run. It might not be a grand slam. It might get you at that one point, but another time it might be a grand slam. You just never know. But you've got to understand that I did my best. Uh, It didn't place me in the money, money or in the numbers, but okay. I was satisfied, but I see people that get so discouraged on the days they don't do good. And, then they get so, from that discouraged, they just become so negative about it, not realizing maybe they did do their best. Maybe the fish would not cooperating that day.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, there's always different things that bring it down. Maybe I didn't use the right bait, but it's the best part about it is it's all learning. We yeah. all get to learn from it. So the takeaway is knowing that you did what you could do, you learn from it. So maybe next time I would do a little bit better and to go from there. Or like me, decide to not go for the small fish and go for the big fish. and Well, my big fish decided to throw me a fin every now and then and wave and just stay in the water and not hit the baits right. But I still enjoy it and get Good. out there.
1: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal
3: No, that I was gonna say that that's a good point. I think, especially when you look at the tournament, um, there's a game within the game, right? There's a game where you try to stay consistent and you know try to get to the angle of the year and give you chance you know, give you a chan- yourself a chance to win. And then there's there's a game where it's more like I already I need to hit a home run, so it's either we either gonna go all in or or we're either gonna catch the world record bass bag, or we're not gonna catch anything, and that's that's the game of it, you know. Like in your case, you already qualified for for the Bassmaster Classic, so it's like to you it's like, well, the next notch is to win this tournament. I already qualified, so my, I'm going for the fences here. And like you said, it's gonna work sometimes, and it's not gonna work. But that's something that I find interesting because it's not just catching a five bag and being the five. You know, the five biggest fish, you know, or, or winning the tournament. There's a game within the game. There's the tournaments that you want to win, that you need to win for yourself, for your own, um, um, you know, satisfaction or for what you're trying to achieve. Um, and you're not going to win every single tournament out there. Not even Russ Snyder can win every single tournament out there. Not even Jody Quinn. No one that's going to win every single tournament. So there's that aspect of, like, now I just need to get enough to get me to the next tournament or keep me in the hunt for Angler of the Year. That's going to change your strategy where you're going, you know, what baits you're going to choose and what techniques are you going to choose because obviously there some techniques that are more susceptible to landing you a big fish, and then there's other techniques that are more susceptible to catching you more fish but it's not going
5: to be maybe that, that you know, that bag, that five-limit bag that's going to win you a tournament. So that's very interesting. Uh, I can
4: say last year for the KBF side, I was uh, placed ninth, tied ninth. I was one of the odd ones in the group. I never won a tournament last year on the trail side. I placed eighth, ninth, fourth. Something like that, you know, within the top 10, but staying consistent. And uh, it's just something I tell people don't worry about that one slot, that first place. That's just one slot. But if yeah. you try to push yourself to be in that top 10, you got 10 slots now that you can look forward. Yeah. Eventually, if you can stay in that top 10 on every tournament, it's going to pay off for you. Being a top 10 in an angler of the year, year after year after year, is great. Of course, right now I'm at 27th for KBL this year, which I dropped a little bit. But still, I don't think that's a bad running out of everybody that participates. Uh, Bass, they didn't do an angler of the year this year. They're looking at doing one next year. I I did four of their tournaments out of the five. Uh, Placed three of them. Last one, like I said, swung for the fence. But People got to understand it's not always the winning. It's the fun. It's getting out there. Even if one of your buddies comes down from a long distance and wants to fish, and you're fishing a tournament with him, you just hope he's catching something. You hope he's getting into them, and you hope they enjoy it. And I see that a lot, too. And fishing with somebody else, fishing around them, pulling off so they can try to catch a fish, maybe. It makes a lot of difference, or taking that kid just don't fish a tournament one weekend cuz you promised the kid you'd take him fishing. Yes, I you know, and it, and it it hurt a little bit on the points, but to me it didn't hurt in a sense cuz I got to see a 12 year or a 16 year old, 50 at the time, 14, go out there and fish and catch caught his personal best out of a kayak that day. Mm-hmm. And got pictures of him. And it made, it made all the difference in the world. He was he was okay with kayak fishing, but now he's enjoying kayak fishing. But now, that was 14, he's 16 and a half, and girls are coming up. <laughs> That's the worst thing about it for the guys. And usually, girls that want to fish all the way to they're about 18 to 20, and then it's up there like, okay, looking for that steady boyfriend. Yeah. But they always enjoy getting out there fishing. So I've had them both ways. Uh, the guys and the gals how they want to fish and what they want to do but I learned one thing with kids and even with my wounded veterans when I tell them I says when you get tired tell me because I can fish from daylight to dark and keep going because it just I don't think nothing about it there's always that I look at it like this there's going to be one that bites so if you're ready to go you tell me and give me about 5 to 10 minutes and they said, why five to ten? I said, I might be working one. I might be looking at one following my bait and planning. If I'm not, I'll reel it right up. We'll go over, load up, and go we'll get a bite to eat. Never over push your kids as a father to kids or somebody else that you take out fishing. That will ruin them real quick.
5: Yeah.
4: When they get ready to go, you load up. And you go and just say, how, how great did you have? They just said, no, we're just. Let's work it out next time. Never go past what they get tired of doing. And I was bad. It's an early fight on when I was early doing that with my son. He'd get tired. I'd let him go over there on the bank place. so I could keep fishing. When the next couple of times he didn't want to go. Then I got him going again. So it made that much difference later on. And I started understanding that, you know, don't push him. Don't push him. Doesn't matter where it's the boy or the girl when they get tired call it for the day enjoy it go get something to eat snack on and go back to the house talk about what they did right don't worry about what they did wrong unless they hooked you in the back of the, your back <laughs> walking, the hook yeah so, there's make sure your
5: kid is always walking in front of you. and yeah. that was a I learned, too so, <laughs> but it's it's uh,
4: just how to look at it on life You don't have to be the top. You don't have to be the grandmaster at all. You just got to be down there where you're enjoying it, where you're in the top 10 or the lower 10. doesn't matter to me. I'm going to fish and enjoy it. I'm going to do my best. So there's some days. It's the other tournament I fished before that. I was 11.15 before I caught my first bass that Saturday. And by 11.30, I already had five fish and lost two. Hmm. And that much difference on how things can change for you. So I'd already been fishing since 6 o'clock that morning up to that time period. And I only had one little hit. And then all of a sudden, this everything changed. And when in the next two hours, I caught 16 bass and lost three. Wow. So that, that's just why well, I take it back. 19 bass and
5: lost three. Wow.
4: So that just makes that much difference on what can happen to you throughout a day. And I've seen people quit it. The tournament ends at two, and they're starting getting ready to load up at one. And I said, I'm not coming off the water till, or headed to the ramp ramp till two. Because 15 minutes can make a difference. I've seen, I know Russ, I've seen Jody, I've seen almost everybody right there at that last minute, catch two or three fish. Or they already got that top five fish, and all of a sudden, bam. They get their kicker that brings them all the way up. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. You might not have been first, but it might have put you in second from being 10th place to second. Don't quit till the time that clock hits that time. And you reel that line up and you say, well, I did the best I could today. There's always tomorrow the next day. And then you go from there.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I've actually experienced that um, this year where I was like, well, I'm I'm, I'm skunking here, so it's uh, like 15 minutes before it lines out. Might as well swim for the fences. Maybe I'll get the big bass. It'll cover at least the cost of the entry fee." And it just so happened that I did. Uh, I think it was like
5: 20,
3: 20 and a half big bass of the day. Same, That same mentality is like, well, I'm not gonna catch five fish in 15 minutes. Chances are I'm not gonna catch five fish in 15 minutes. So, but if I can have one big fish that gives me big bass, then you know, at least I go home with the tournament fee covered and maybe a little bit more in the pocket. So and it worked out. It worked out just like that way. Now, the plan A was catch big five fish and win the tournament, but you know, can't complain with uh plan B. And it, it's crazy because I I go out in the water. And to me, I talked to guys, Says like, well, the good thing about kayak is, like, you know, you can just load up the kayak, drive to the lake and spend two hours and then come back. And I was like, I cannot see myself spending just two hours on the lake. Like, there's no way I can spend just two hours on the lake. I'll spend eight to ten hours on the lake. And when I'm looking at my watch, I'm like, what is this ten hours? Like, to me, those ten hours went, like, ten minutes. I'm not joking. It's like, how did I how can I spend eight hours at work and feel like I've worked 16 hours, but I can spend ten hours at a lake and feel like I only spent two hours. <laughs> it's it's just how how you, I guess how we all wired, you know, when you're enjoying when you're having fun, even if you're not fishing, I would say when you're not when you're not catching fish, it goes even faster because now you're like,
5: oh, it's already time to go and I didn't catch any fish. So
4: yeah it makes it does make a lot of difference on that that not that time period is not to quit early never yeah. you never give up uh because the bite you never know if the thing is did I find the fish did I change to the right bait, or did the fish just start hitting those are three questions that we were, honestly will never know mm-hmm. Because... You can assume you found them, but maybe they just started, maybe you just started using the right color bait or moving it just right,, no. so you always wonder which way which way it is. I have been at times that I have come up on bass, see them laying down in the water and they won't hit nothing, knowing that they're going to start about eleven o'clock uh, and pull off and wait and tell the guy I says all right it's almost eleven fifteen. they ought to start moving and he says well i just saw one to swim under my kayak going to the bank i says all right another five minutes they'll be ready what it was doing the bass were laid up at about three foot of water you could see them some of them were laying directly on the bottom some were about a foot off the bottom you couldn't get them to hit even if you pitched a wacky anything in front of them they just look at it and let it roll off their mouth but once they went toward the bank and turned and faced back out again. It was on don't I don't know what changed what what was on their clock or time period, but during that day it may have been the the lunar phase yeah. beam phase, whatever you want to call it, but they moved, and as soon as they moved up and to about two foot of water, it was on, and anything from fourteen inches to twenty two inches was hitting at that time period, so you never know. You can see him, and then you can get disheartened about it. It's like I did on one tournament uh, a couple of years back. And I kept flipping to this 19-inch bass. And I flipped at it, and I flipped at it, and I flipped at it, and I tried three different baits. And I said, I couldn't understand. Every time I'm flipping, he's going down, going from right to left to me. And I'm flipping ahead of him just on that outside edge every time. and couldn't understand it. So, and I kept, no, he wouldn't even move toward the bait. So I changed up the bait to a little smaller, nothing. Well, I backed off a little bit, giving him a little breathing room, waiting, waiting. Now I see him coming back. And finally, he's coming left to right. I already tried him once, and I had to hit back at the bank and come off. So this time, coming left to right, I pitched up there just about the way I'd been doing it before when he was going right to left, and it was just a sonic blast. Boom, he hit the bait. I got him in, laid him on the board, and put him facing uh, to the left, and I realized why he wasn't hitting anything on the left side. He was, he was, blind. He was blind in the left eye. <laughs> and he wasn't turning toward any of the vibration, though. No. He was just staying watching that bank with that right eye. So that made sense to me why when he swam back right, I didn't get a chance to cast him because he was, he was running fast going right. So he could get back up to where he started and done it, do it. And he would do his turnaround and come back down the bank real slow. And he was watching the bank with that right eye. But I didn't realize that because all I saw was a bass in the water swimming about two foot off the bank. But as you think about it, after I got him in and saw that he was blind in the left eye, he was doing what he could, being blind in one eye, and how he was watching the bank that he had learned that he could see with that right eye, he could watch that bait swimming left to right, I mean right to left, and catch the bait fish coming off of it. But I was casting ahead of him and moving the bait in front of him, so by the time it got to where he could see the bait, he couldn't see it anymore because it was already past
5: his nose where his left eye was supposed to be seeing it, which I didn't understand that at the time period. Didn't know he had a bad eye.
4: So you never know
5: yeah i think a lot of it we we
3: underestimate information we don't value sometimes information as well as we, we should when we catch a fish because you got to think i mean to, in order to get better we sometimes think, oh he just liked to bait. well yeah that could be part of it but it also is you know a, there's a lot of different things that you can take or take mental notes from like how was i working the bait was i more like you know Pausing it or moving it faster? What color did I use? Um, I've had it occasions where I'm just like, you know, slow day out there. It's not, I'm not catching anything. Suddenly I get a text from my wife or I get an email that I was expecting I, just as I'm laying, as, as I'm casting, and I just forget about my bait and start, you know, checking my notifications on my phone, either replying or, you know, reading the information that I was expecting to get, whatever. And all of a sudden, boom, I get a line hit. That makes me realize, okay, I'm moving the bait too fast. Because while I was, you know, working the bait, I wasn't getting hit. But as soon as I distract myself and forget that I have a bait on the water and start checking my phone, I get a bite. So it's just mental notes that you have to take, not only with, you know, the color of the bait, the technique, but there's a lot of information that that you can get um, taking mental notes of how I work. And that's a perfect example. Um, recently I've gotten into, and I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but that, I want to hit on that point because recently I started using the jackhammer, the very, the heavy one, the one in, in a quarter ounce working on deep ledges. And what I've learned from it is, uh, the black and blue, I started using that one. It worked best with the um, uh, a trailer that doesn't have that much action versus, uh, lighter jackhammer that i would use with a trailer that has more action what i've learned from it and i broke i broke my personal best on it is that that specific day they wanted something that was you know wasn't moving as much it wasn't making that more noise or attracting that much they wanted that that, that slow moving bait with less action and the jackhammer at that point was you know, noisy enough and vibrating enough to uh, pounce on it while I was working it slow. But the trailer on it made to me, from what I got, to make the huge difference because it was one of those trailers where it doesn't, it really didn't have a lot of movement. So it, it's just little things that you can take away every time you catch a fish. Just take mental notes, and even you can write them down or put them on your phone. You know, with technology now, of, you know, of what bait you use. How do you work it? Um, you know, uh, what color, what depth, what's the water temperature. There's a whole lot of information that if you take notes on it, it'll eventually form a little, a bigger picture of my, what might work at that specific lake, that specific time, that specific day.
1: At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
4: Yes, it does. It makes a lot of difference. I mean, most people understand I love frog fishing. That's what I like doing. But you got to get away from what you feel comfortable with be it frog fishing, wacky fishing, uh chatterbait fishing, and be able to change up and look at what you have to do and what you gotta work with. And three base frog colors, I say is a black, white, and a yellow belly. And if you're power fishing, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Be it a hollow body or a paddle tail frog, is that's your three base colors you'll need. But then People say, well, what about all these other color- colors? Well, if you start finessing a frog, then the other colors make a difference. Your sides. And you think a bass won't necessarily see the top, but somehow or another, they may catch a glimpse of that top. Or it could be how the sun reflects off the top. Mm-hmm. But that side. And I've had them come up and just, ready, or just ball right up to the frog or even another top water bait. And you think there's fishing a the and all of a sudden just stop. And they just look at it. And then, and I've seen them just turn and swim away. And you try to get them to hit it as power fishing, they won't touch it. But you were doing it real hard, real aggressive, so they come charging up to take it. And then they look at it and say, "Oh, that's not that's not what I thought it was." And they'll turn away and swim away. So sometimes the color does make a difference. Yeah, could be that they were counting the stripes on it instead of three stripes, they were looking for a four stripe frog. I'm more like, well, maybe that was it. Maybe it was fifteen polka dots, and there's still three. What <laughs> was in their mind? But they they know enough to say, "Uh, that's not the one I was wanting." Now, not that's not what I had flavor for today. And it could have been that they were just a just a huge change. Just the uh, they were wanting a yellow instead of a gold, and they yeah. could see that, and they're that close together. Or a white with a yellow stripe down the side. Just You never know. It's just like using a, some people use a chatterbait, and they have one that's all white, and then all of a sudden they stop hitting them. but his buddy's over there catching the mess out of them with a white one because it's got a blue stripe or a gray back. Yeah. Real subtle, but still it was enough that the other, they, they kept hitting it, but they wouldn't hit the other one now. And yeah. it's like the, the blue, back, blue and black or or blue and purple, you know. Fishing them deep. People say they don't see, but why will they hit one and not the other?
5: Yeah.
4: There's enough difference there that they're seeing it. But a story I like saying, and I've told a lot of people about, about it, when I was fishing a 12 foot aluminum boat before I started the kayak, I have had a pit fishing partner in the back. We're fishing the old slough, same waters always like fishing the back waters. We both had black buzz baits on, and probably identical buzz baits. And I'd already caught like four or five bass, averaging about two pounds apiece. I was having a ball, and we probably hadn't even gone 10 feet. And he was trying so hard to catch one. He hadn't caught one yet, and he backlashes. Well, I take my rod and hand it to him, and I take his, and I work his backlash out. So now he starts casting with my rod, my bait, my line. I finished about two or three minutes. I get his backlash out, pitches out there, reel it up, get it all tight, straight, ready for him to no, go. No hits, no nothing. I said, well, maybe I caught only four fish here or five fish, whatever I caught here. I hand his rod back to him, grab my rod, my first cast, right where he'd been casting, the whole time, reel it up, bam, a three-pounder on. Nothing on the next cast. And another one, next cast a pound and a half. He said, it was time to go to the house. same spot for two to three minutes how many casts can you make in two or three minutes a lot yeah considering you're only casting maybe 20 yards out because of the trees but he could not using my rod my bait my line everything exact but there was something we were doing different either the 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 turn of the reel either the jerk or the level i was holding my rod That was all something that changes up how the bait runs. And he was not getting the hits, but I was getting the hits. So that's just a thing to look at. You don't know if it's it. So you can't say it was the speed of the reel as for the reel itself, but it could have been the speed of the reel due to how I was making my turn. handle. So, and I fished right next to somebody in the same boat, jigging for crappie, and they're constantly pulling them in. And I'm up there with the exact same setup, same color, everything. And I'm doing the same thing, same depth. And every now and then I catch a white bass. A white bass like, come on, can can I not catch a crappie? And he's
5: <laughs> and
4: I'm like I look at him like I don't understand it. And he's we don't. I mean, you never know. Maybe no saying I'm not holding my mouth right or the fucker factor running right white right or we just don't know. It's just but you got to, like you said, look for that little minute detail that it's going to be to change up the, and I know several guys that take the paddle tail on their uh, chatter baits that cut the paddle off mm-hmm. and give that extra vibration, but it gives it more it, as the chatter bait moves, you still got a good wake with it because it fills up the body there by the hook. It gives it some mass and that makes a lot of difference too. So I don't know. You know, we all don't know, but we don't know at all. <laughs> but we hope we all enjoy
3: trying. Only the fish know, right? And it's sometimes we overthink, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things where they, you know, particularly late, they might be, behave differently. Particular day, they're going to behave differently. It's like there's no one single technique or bait or trailer that's going to make, you know, uh, guarantee you that's going to, catch you fish if it was we only be using that bait and it'll probably cost like a hundred dollars to buy mm-hmm. um so it's you know and i think i was talking to somebody the other day that i was fishing with we were talking about the jackhammer and how successful it is and i think a lot of it is it comes to the fact well it's a relatively the the invention of the batter bait is not new but the jackhammer it's relatively new and it's gone mainstream now this year, or the last couple of years, where it's more like uh, social media content creators like Fluke Master have talked about it, and now it's getting more popularity. So in a lot of lakes, it feel like the fish have never seen. They've seen Chatterbait, but this one may have a you know a jackhammer is going kind a of different vibration to it, uh, a different style of movement. So the fish have not ingrained that into their you know DNA to recognize. Oh, this. This is, you know, this is not this is not the chattering. So they yep. may be so susceptible to go for it because they have never seen it or seen very few of it out on the water. Just that vibration, you know, it'll probably come to a point when it's getting so popular that it's going to go through this cycle where now fish have kind of like so used to it that they're going to stop biting on it. And then something else is going to come along that's going to work even better. So it, it's it's a lot of different things. I firmly believe that fish do develop an instinct to say, okay, I'm not hitting this anymore because the last three times I've hit this bait, it hasn't worked out well for me. So it's that could interesting. Be that bass running
4: up and looking at that frog and all of a sudden yeah. saying, no, oh, that's not the right color. Or that yeah. top water bait, "Wow, oh, that's not the right color yeah Or right something's not right or yeah. oh i remember that thing from last week you know and that was not a good thing getting in that kayak and having my picture taken i don't want that again you know so
3: it's interesting we know, some someday we'll figure it out <laughs> Some someday we'll be able to communicate with bass and find out exactly what it is though. <laughs> <laughs> so mr case what are you what are your plans na- now for 2021 i know 2020 was a crapshoot for a lot of us especially when we're talking about kayak fishing any events other than the bassmaster lead any um uh, or bassmaster classic i should say um any other events you got circled on your calendar that you're looking forward that you feel like you either could take the w there or that you just want to visit that lake maybe because you never fished it before
5: uh,
4: I could probably come close on the Tim invitational I mean, I had a chance at it last year and pulled off of it because I didn't want to lose my spot and my fishing and the fish during the 10. I knew if I fished it four days in a row hard, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be there. So I pulled off on my second day of the Tim invitational and did not fish it. Some people say, why did you leave fish? Well, I was really hunting them for the 10, not the invitational might be a good chance there. Uh we got uh of course in the fall, Caddo coming up for the national championship. That's a good yep. lake. I yep. got I've understood it better now. And I've had bad days on it just like any other lake. But I think that's gonna be a good time for me back in the fall there. So there's at least four, maybe i say four to be three weekends maybe four weekends with the KBL. I know, uh, the classic is on Lake, uh, Lewiston or Louisville. They're just at Fort Worth.
3: Oh, is it Louisville? I thought it was Tawak, To Taw- I, I can never pronounce it. I thought it was going to be Tawakani or something like that. I oh, think no, it's I it's Lake Louisville. That's interesting. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah. That's a tough lake. Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm surprised doing it Louisville.
4: Well, I, I that's oh, how cool. all the Texas boys started saying, hmm, we did a tournament there and only caught one fish. I'm yeah. That. Well, but that's what they decided. So we'll just to see if I can catch that one fish. Nobody else catches one. That's what I got to look at. Wow.
5: But,
4: uh, so hmm. I got a local, a few local tournaments to fish, and that's what I try to do is fish with my local groups. Two, I got two in the state and one in Louisiana that I fish with, or well, two in Louisiana and two in Mississippi. And I may not fish every one. I don't make. I don't worry about making a run for the angle of the year with them. It's just getting out, and having some fun, and some camaraderie with your uh, buddies that's fishing those groups. And then, so I'm still waiting on, like I said, waiting on bass to release, and then seeing what uh how it goes from there. Once they release, I'll get on my what I call last year was the green calendar. So all my dates that I had highlighted green were the ones I'm fishing. And that's usually what I start with, so pretty much I've chosen uh three main weekends with KBF other than the championship, and that's close one's closest to me, which put, I think one
5: is uh Texas, then the Florida and then uh Wheeler pick weekends. I think that's it at this
4: time period. I may have one other one I don't know. I just play it around. And it's it's fun I mean I've been all all the way up to Pennsylvania reference across to Wisconsin out to Oklahoma and you know all the way down to uh, Florida so it's always fun seeing what else I can do I can always branch out and just try a little bit different location too. I fished a lot of different states so in the uh years of kayak fishing. And that's one thing that we can get up there used to a lot. You see it a lot on posts is people would say, I'm coming to uh, Indiana. Who's up here. Who's on, who's KBF member up here. Do you have an extra kayak? I like to try to fish this weekend while I'm up there. And usually somebody will message you and say, I got an extra kayak. We can go try these little lakes. I don't see it as much. Now people doing that, but mm-hmm. used to you see it a lot. And it's just how we had grown as a community. It's, more people are fishing, but I think we lost sight of that of being able to call out a fellow member to see if he would help take me fishing because he's coming into the state like we used to. There's yeah. still a thing to do it say, I'm coming down. You want to go fishing? As long as I know ahead of time, it's always there. I got plenty of kayaks. We can make something to do, even if it's those saying we're fishing but not catching. But still, it's fun floating around and talking and uh, reviewing what, what tactics you're using.
3: Yeah, that's. I think a lot of it too is as the sport grows and money becomes more of. A, people think, oh, I, I can actually make money out of this, whereas what used to be just for fun, even on tournaments. You know, you are just going out there, maybe bragging rights, or just kind of measuring stick to see how you, you know, stack up to other anglers. You know, um, now I think with more money coming in, I think, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, it's great that the sport has grown and it'll hopefully keep growing where more people can actually make a living out of it. And that's, if that's what it is, that's great. But obviously with money comes other agendas and, you know, I'm not here to judge anybody for what they, for, for what they're trying to achieve, but money changes everything. That's, I mean, that's all I got to say about it. You know, it, it, it makes, it makes a difference <laughs> for whatever reason for better or worse, you know, they they get more competition, more uh, rivalries, um, uh, We've seen it in the, uh, the you know glitter boat world, um, and if the sports, the sports of kayak fishing keeps going, we'll eventually see it if we haven't already in kayak fishing. And it is what it is, you know. It's it's important that each of us stay, you know, true to ourselves. You know, um, the sport can grow, uh, money can come in, but just stick to what the grassroots of kayak fishing is, and that's the camaraderie. Um, you know, going out there, enjoying nature, enjoying uh, relaxing time on the water um, without, you know, having to spent too much money uh, on gasoline or board insurance and everything that comes in maintenance.
5: So it's, it's important that we all try to, you know, remember that, remember the grassroots of the sport.
1: Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
3: However, popular it gets out there. Um, last year, you you took part uh, in the five live. Um, I hear rumors that Scott is bringing five live back and he's revamping it and it's going to be bigger and better. Um, hopefully, it will you know Scott Butcher? We know he's he's uh, how do you call that? Uh, he he's going to go all in, you know. Uh, oh yeah. And he's not he's not going to accept failure. He's not going to. He's gonna want to, you know, hit for the fences on this, and we're looking forward to Five Live. Do you plan on taking part in Five Live if you get the invite, or however he structures this year? He's
4: hope we've t- talked several different times. He's uh, looking at the plan is two cameras that they've already purchased and finishing up purchasing. Want to be over your shoulder and want to be facing you, so that way you have a picture, and he will adjust it back and forth as needed. And through the five or six or seven anglers. Now understand the five live is not the number of anglers. You know, it was yeah. five. It's us catching five fish live. Yeah. And, and some people thought that was odd when we come up and have an extra person or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's looking at bringing back a few of us and it may have been the winners. It may have been some of the top. He He's still playing that all around and trying to figure out who, but uh, we both talked about, and he's mentioned that we got, he's got to bring in new faces also, give other people a chance to be there and be seen. And he's looking at the ones that make, want to make the sport grow and, yeah. it's gonna, and make it uh, that people want to see and understand what's going on and how we talk about it as we're fishing these tournaments, not just necessarily just to fish the tournaments, but to enjoy it. And show what you're doing as you're fishing. Maybe even talk about it as you're tying on a new bait. So that they're filming and saying, well, he's tying this on. And you explain what you're doing before you make your cast. So it's it's to help you out. And also bring the kayak fishing world a different angle of what, it's, what is going on. Or how, how we are being seen and portrayed now.
3: Yeah. Take it in more means to. Yes. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I've talked to other anglers off, off the, you know, off air, what their feelings were, Five Live. I'm personally a huge uh, fan of Five Live. Um, and there's two sides of it. There's the side that you're a fan, you know, as a fan, how do you see the sport? In order for the sport to grow, and I think Scott Future understands this, obviously, is that it can't... it. We can't just limit about fishing. There's a certain in order for the sport to take another level, there there has to be a popularity. You know, social media now pretty much r- runs a lot of the marketing now. Where it used to be where you had to, if you wanted something to grow, you know, as far as support it ha- sport it has to be on a major network. Well now it's not really like that. You see so many kids now they're actually make money out of doing YouTube videos. Um and that's a little bit more, that's a little bit different when it comes to Tournament Angler because, you know, editing content and putting great content out there for videos, it's, it takes time and effort. First of all, you have to cash fish and then you have to either pay somebody to edit the videos or do it yourself and that takes time. Plus, you also have to get better at fishing, which takes time as well. So there is a balance out there. It's not like people think like, oh, you're out there fishing. Well, no, there's a lot of stuff that goes on it, whether you're a content creator or a tournament angler, in order for you to grow in the sport and put your name out there. Um, in order for sponsors to get involved, they don't I'm not gonna say they don't care about the results, but they're more focused on like what is your reach. You know, you could be the best angler winning all the tournaments, but if you don't have a social media account and you're not active in it, well, sponsor is going to say, great, you know, a few people saw you win a tournament, but this person, this angler who's not necessarily winning all the tournaments, but posting a lot on social media is getting more, is, is getting our product to a wider audience. And there's that balance. I understand. I've talked to some anglers who are like, well, the integrity of the sport has to be winning. And I, I get that. I completely agree with that. You know, at the end of the day, winning does matter. And it does. And whoever wins should get the lion's share of the glory. But in order for the sport to grow, and Scott future is working on that side of it, and I think he's doing an admirable job of it, and I'm a fan of it, Um, is that he's doing like, well, we also have to look at the social media aspect, the growth of it, and anglers that are putting themselves out there in social media, you know, um, can benefit, the sport can benefit from their exposure out there. So it's a balance, and I'm sure there's going to be people that are in favor of it, people that are against it. But there's always a balance that needs to find out, that needs to be rich in order for the sport to grow. So we'll see where it goes. And my full support on Scott and Five Life and every single tournament out there, whether it's KBBT or Hobie or Bass or uh, KBF and even Paddle and Finn is doing their own um, uh, tour this year trail this year. You know, we want the sport to grow. Whoever it is, the more the sports grow, the better it is for everybody. Well,
4: I, uh, understanding where the five lights started and on it, I had Scott called me like a month before and said, well, what do you think? And I thought it was, this would be great. I was kind of disappointed. I wasn't in the first group, but was on down in a line on one of the other groups. He said, "Well, I needed to spread everybody out, I said, that's fine. I'm good with that. But considering what he did for the first year to start getting, 25 people out there to go and to fish a tournament and how good it was to get us to fish that and catching five fish in a two hour period.
5: That was amazing.
4: That's yeah. That's not as easy as it sounds. And it's like, and I can say, uh, but that was on a morning bite. It's like, I was fishing against Jamie Dennison on that tournament. He didn't catch anything during that two hours. 30 minutes later, in less than an hour, he had five fish. That's back to you never know when they're going to hit.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: It was just that much of a change in that much time period. 30 minutes or so later, he tore them up. So that's another thing Scott was looking at. It's maybe doing four-hour periods, two in the morning, two in the afternoon. So you have a different bite period. Somebody may have a morning bite. Somebody may have an afternoon bite. That's things he's thinking about doing and trying to get more people active in it. So and and then with KBT, it was funny I fished their tournaments and uh I knew I didn't have the luxury of having and that's another thing which let me back up just a second with Scott. Scott, we had to use our cell phones. So yep. we couldn't necessarily choose the best lake that we liked.
5: Mm-hmm. We had
4: to choose the lake that had cell service yep. all the time. And that made a lot of difference too, because there was yeah. other lakes that some of us could have gone to and probably got five fish and could have probably broke 90 to 100 inches. But we never would have had the cell service. He needed the cell service for us to be able to do the five live. And that was part of the reason how a lot of us choose our locations by having cell service that was not going to be intermittent or cut or None at none existence at all, it had to be sales service one hundred per cent, and that was one thing looking at, and that's another thing he's having to look at for this next year as it comes up, and he's and that's all getting played into it, and the cost is coming up on it, yeah, so considering it's just great, I mean the people that fished it, they were all good fishermen it wasn't yes. there wasn't necessary that I won one time. Jason or won one one time, all the different people won at different times. It was, yeah, it was different times. You could have swapped it all back around or do the same. I can be even the same five fishing the same time period uh, this coming year, and I might not get to fish. You know, it could be uh, Tim Perkins gets all the fish, or it could be Jamie gets all the fish. You just never know what's going to go on out of that group. Just it's always amazing on what how it goes how it changes up.
3: Yeah, and and that's a good point because I think uh, talking about the cell signal, you know, so you you do the video stream, like the when you look at it, the lakes are going to have, especially where I live, the lakes they are going to have allow me to do video streaming, live video streaming. It's going to be lakes that around the metroplex, Great Lakes. But the ones, the big bass factories are going to be the lakes that are out there, out of the city limits, like maybe in the middle of nowhere, because those lakes, first of all, they're healthier than a lake in the city. I don't care how clean the city is, there's going to be more rain runoff pollution going into lakes. It's going to affect the health of the lake. They're going to be high pressure because that's where all the weekend warriors go and, you know. People take their kids where you go out of the lake in the middle of two hours away from the metroplex, where only like diehard fishermen uh, go fish. There's not that populated. you get more big fish. That's just that's my experience at least. Not to say that I can't have a great day on a on a, a lake at the metroplex, but traditionally where I'm going to catch the biggest, my biggest bags is going to come in a lake that's outside of the metroplex. And guess what? Those <laughs> lakes are not going to have
5: you know. Cell signal, not a consistent, good video streaming signal. That's a good point. And we talk about it. I got the
4: Bass Times here. I just got in the mail. And referencing Bassmaster, I think it was two years ago, I was on their poster lead holding up my big bass for the year before. Then this past year, I mean, that's just one kayaker right there. Not doing it, you know, showing up on their big page board for their classic coming up, me showing up holding my big bass in my hand. Uh, We got this last, this past year, in the past three months, Casey Reed had a write-up in the uh, uh, Bassin Magazine, Bass Times, and last month, Russ Snyder had one. I know it was because of Russ winning out there in California, but it still Mm. was, that's two high that's had write-ups about in a major magazine. And not just pictures like me, but write ups about it and what they were doing and how they were doing stuff. So it has, it's come a long way. I mean, but we we still got a little farther to go. And uh, so it's being seen. Yeah. Now we got KBL, Hobie, and Bass, three different type tournaments. How on the levels they're looking to look at. Then you have KBBT. A bracket type tournament. And I think they're wanting to come out with a uh, series, kind of like a football baseball team, with a group yeah. of six, seven guys move around. They fish different spots and only five fish out of your team or four fish. That's yeah. all still worked out. But the bracket tournament was is fun in a sense that you fish against somebody else every weekend
5: mm-hmm.
4: until the final. And yeah you might not make it to the first, but you fish a lot against a lot of good people coming up and you learn a lot. Yeah. And you learn that sometimes it's best to go down there and fish in their own waters and fish against them there.
5: No. But. And, and it's great for those people,
3: families that maybe uh, can't afford or, you know, don't have the time to drive five hours to, to their nearest, you know, big name tournament. Uh, but, you know, can take a, uh, or one day out of uh, a month and then, you know, go for a one-on-one tournament and move from there. Yes. Well,
4: Brad, now, I, right, I'm sorry. I, I, I always tell people, look for your local tournaments. fishing. Mm-hmm. and to see if that's really what you want to do or if you just want to kayak fish. If you yeah. want to fish tournaments, try your locals and see how you do. It's 25 to $50 a weekend on what you do, and you enjoy it. If you don't, then okay, you know not to try to put the extra money in to start on the big side. Uh KBF will still have the challenges next year. That's your month longs now again. So mm-hmm. and then you have to choose out of that uh 30 something days what day's best for you. If you're and a lot of times we had people that work off short it may not have but a weekend between those time periods. Now they may have two weeks to be able to fish.
5: Yeah.
4: Or people that work weekends and didn't have a weekend off. They only get one weekend a month to uh, fish because that's their rotation, and it always fall on an off weekend. Now they got that chance again, 30 days. They can see what they can do, or they find that one tournament to fish. If you can't find anybody, do what we always used to do. Friday night, get five or six guys to go weaving, y'all. Just throw $5 in the pot, winner take all. Or you get out there and you fish, and winter goes by, the uh evening meal after you get through fishing, you know something like yeah. that fun bragging white rights amongst your buddies. That's all it takes a little bit just to get started and all so don't think you can't you can't fish cause you're in a pelican cast away one ten,
5: yeah.
4: or something of that sort. It starts somewhere, even if it's an inflatable kayak, and I've seen a few out there yeah i just I just couldn't do that not the way I set the hook. <laughs> so, I figured that will be the first thing that blows <laughs> the lake and all of a sudden realize that my life jacket better be blowing up while this one's deflating right here
5: <laughs> yeah you don't want to find out the hard way no.
4: I have hit the side of my kayak with my bait so hard at times I've even had it stick into the side of the kayak
3: <laughs> you know, I've seen that, that happen a couple of times or fly right back at you can duck at the last millisecond to avoid yeah. and to go to a doctor for surgery. Yeah.
4: Safety. We talked about that and all that. I want to reiterate one thing I hadn't done before on safety. It's not getting back in the kayak. We've all talked about that at times. It's uh, glasses, sunglasses. Yeah. You think about, as we just mentioned, a hook flying by you and you got glasses on, it hits you in the face. Well, maybe you get the hook in your eye, or you won't get the hook in your eye because you got glasses on. Well that's that's not what I'm wanting to get toward. It's the mist from your reels when you make a cast. Most people during the day is fine because we put sunglasses on and we see that mist coming into us. But in the early mornings, you make a cast and that mist to get into your eye. If you start thinking about it, that's bacteria now getting into your eye from a mist. So it seemed best if you had some sort of clear glasses on.
5: Yep.
4: Watch that mist. I found out, and a couple of my other buddies have found out, we have eye infections after a tournament within a day or two. And then we realize as that mist is hitting us because we don't have sunglasses on, and we started narrowing it down to why do I have an eye infection? And it turns out that water misting coming off that reel and it sprays into your face and into your eyes. And the next thing you know, you have something like pink eye or something else in the eye. Yeah. So guys, just take that in consideration for safety. I mean, it still helps from that hook flying back at you, but it's just something (laughs) about the mist from the reel getting, infecting your eye for your eyesight. You won't be able to fish for three or four days or even worse. You may end up losing the eye because you got really something bad.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That, uh, that's a very good
3: point. Also, when you catch fish, sometimes you like next thing you know, you're scratching your eye because, and then you realize that's one thing. I always have like a little antibacterial bottle every time I catch a fish or something. I try to like wipe my hands out of it, clean them um, before because you never know. And then you all of a sudden you're scratching your nose or scratching your eyes, or, and there you go. You got an infection because of it. So, or you yeah. start eating your lunch, you know, dipping into your Fritos or your Doritos, all this. Fish slime on you, and you forget.
4: Uh, I just—I was thinking about that. I mean, I will reach into the pond and wash my hands, reach grab my sandwich afterwards. I'm not mad yeah. at that, but uh, I do remember one time catching a gar and taking my towel and wrapping it around the gar so I could get the hook out of its mouth. And later on, I—later on that day, I sweat was just boiling down on my face so bad. I reached for that towel and I started to wipe my face. Oh, man. Off my
5: face.
4: <laughs> Then I realized, oh. That's where all that slime went. <laughs> so I had to find another towel, because I had enough gar slime on my face to uh, to coat another gar with no problem. <laughs> so if you ever do use it to hold a fish, make sure you don't put it back and use it the same way you intended to use it from the
5: start. Right? <laughs> Definitely. You forget about it at times. So. Well,
3: Mr. Case, thank you so much uh, for taking time over with more than an hour here uh, talking to you. So I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be on, on my podcast. It's an honor to have you um, on my podcast. I'm a huge admirer of, of what you do in the kayak fishing in a, a tournament scene and for the uh, community. So can't thank you enough, all that you do, and, you know, elevating our sport to the next level. Uh, you know, we wish you the best for next year um, and as far as tournament and life in general. You know, hopefully it's going to be a better year for all of us than 2020 has been Um, and things going to be on the up and up. But before I let you go, Mr. Case, um, I don't know if there's any sponsors you want to thank or family members or friends that make your kayak fishing life a lot simpler. If you want to take a few minutes to thank those people. I mean, go ahead.
4: Well, I'm with Native Kayaks right now and and Big Adventures. That's why I'm using a Native Titan 13.5.
5: I have Dakota Batteries, the uh, Tordita Motor, and I love that motor, the
4: 1103. Uh, Spro Frogs, can't fish without my spros, and their crankbaits also, which has helped me out on several tournaments too. And then I have Redline Lures and their Vibrating Jig. That has been, like you mentioned about the Chatterbait, it's the competition against them Mm -hmm. But I got. I don't necessarily have a good chatter, but I got a good click on that bait. And I love that click. And it works out fine for me. We have so many different people out there to help us and bring it along. My sponsors are always great. And my best sponsor so far has been Yak Attack. They've stayed with me, and I've been with them for almost nine years now. And they always got good products and always replace them if something goes wrong with them.
5: Great company, Yak Attack.
4: Yeah. The good part is my kids are grown, so I got grandkids now, so I don't have to stay home and be with them. As I would suggest a lot of people have to watch and you don't feel guilty about leaving and it's always get up in the morning and the wife says, What are you doing? I said, Well I'm debating on going fishing, she says, That's loaded, go, bye. <laughs> so I like hearing that sometimes. And other times it's when will you be back? I'm like uh, I say, why? Just want to know we got supper ready for you, you know, and yard work for you to do. And we're like, huh, yeah, yard work.
5: But just remember, guys, it's all about being there, out there, enjoying it, and keeping your line wet. Yeah, can't express it any better than that. So, Mr. Case, thank you so much for those out there listening.
3: It's been the Bass Guy and Beer segment, as always, presented you by. Douglas rods go to douglasoutdoors.com to check the full lineup. so again, we wish everybody the best uh, this coming year. we're uh, pretty much uh, ending 2020. hopefully 2021 is going to be a better year for everyone be out there if you're going to be out there in the water be safe especially if you're fishing in winter, please take the appropriate uh, necessary measures to make sure that you are safe uh, and protect yourself from if you eventually fall in the water. You know, don't have to worry about hypothermia and everything. So I know that's different um, in every region, whether you're in the south, north. But please take good care of yourselves out there. Take uh, the necessary precautions and be safe. So tight lines for you all. Have a great day.
2: Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and fin. all your jig and tackle needs.
1: Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.